Lord. Glad to be in the house of God tonight. Midweek service. There's nothing like a midweek service. Amen. Just come in and recharge your batteries and let off the pressure. Rejoice. Blow off some steam. Hallelujah. I had a rough day, so I'm going to blow off some steam. <laughs> Amen. Brother Sam Waldner, really good to see you. Welcome home. <laughs> and each and every one of you, we just welcome you here tonight. Online, God bless you. May the Lord richly bless each and every one. In Christ alone, my hope is found. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Yeah. 
together again. Let's just worship him. Give him honor and praise that he deserves. Oh, we praise you. I wonderful Lord it is such a privilege just to utter your name Lord say the name of Jesus the name above all names the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the mighty one the mighty conqueror our deliverer our Savior our Redeemer and we worship you tonight Lord Jesus we place you in the highest place that we can place you, Lord. High above all else, Lord. Lord of our lives. King of our lives, O oh God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us, Father. For your grace, Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord. Brother Michael Ray could I ask you to come and lead us in prayer. I haven't got any written requests here tonight, but let's just remember the needs in our congregation. And amen. God bless you. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. If you have a need, lift it before him. Lord, you are our high priest, Lord. Lord, where there was one time where a high priest, Lord, would come, He'd take the blood, Lord. He'd walk reverently, Lord, approaching your holy presence. That, Lord, the sins of the congregation, Lord, would be met, Lord, and atoned. Lord, how thankful, Lord, we are tonight that, Lord, you are our great high priest. That, Lord, you atoned for our sin. You atoned for our needs, Lord. Every area of our lives that is in need of a touch, Lord, you dealt with it at Calvary. Lord, as a song we sang, Lord, the brokenness of a sinner, you meet him, Lord. Lord, tonight, Lord, if there's a brokenhearted, you'll meet them, Lord. There's weary in spirit, Lord, you can meet them, Lord. Or, Lord, our hope is not in something of this world that has been propped up amongst the people, but, Lord, our hope alone is in you. Lord, if that can just become real tonight to each of our hearts, Lord, set aside every aspect of the day and search our hearts, Lord. Search our lives, Lord. Some, Lord, may be needing their joy as David, Lord, penned. Lord, restore under me the joy of my salvation. Lord, may that be the portion tonight for each one that's come here. Lord, we've been in some wonderful services the last few weeks, Lord, even last Wednesday and Sunday. And Lord, we're just desiring 
that you would move again amongst us. Lord, we gathering, Lord, from the day, setting it, Lord, out of our minds. We're just wanting to come and enter into your courts with praise and with thanksgiving, Lord. A song that comes to my mind, Lord, we never lost our praise. We, Lord, might have gone through difficult moments and difficult aspects of our lives, but Lord, tonight, we never lost our praise, Lord. Our heart wells up within us, Lord, through the good times and through the difficult times. Tonight, Lord, we just praise you. We give you adoration and the glory that is due to you alone for you alone are the great high priest you alone conquered death you alone conquered hell you alone conquered cancer you alone conquered blindness you alone conquered deafness no other god but you are the king of glory so lord those are our needs tonight of our congregation our sister clara and sister ramona lord our sister bev oh god lord just many needs in this body but you conquered it at calvary Lord, and you're just requiring of us to believe it, to with faith in our heart, that we can accept what you did at Calvary. Lord, as one minister said, if you came and said, Lord, if you were here tonight, you said, would you heal me? You said, I already did it. I already did that at Calvary. Lord, would you save me? You said, I already did that at Calvary. Lord, I need deliverance. I've loosed you by the power of the blood of the Lamb. So Lord, tonight, may that be a reality to our hearts, and we'd accept it, Lord, and we wouldn't just bring our need but lord we'd meet you and you and lord jesus we would just accept that it is done and finished here tonight lord i just reading a little account how a sister came in an alcoholic bound by a demon of alcohol but lord in a moment's time by the spoken word of God, you delivered her from that demon, Lord. It doesn't matter if it's alcohol or drugs or a demon of cancer or depression or anxiety. I don't care what it is, Lord. That can be someone's experience because tonight we've come to, to be in the presence of God. Lord, may we not just be in a Wednesday night service, but we've come into your courts to be in your presence, to be impacted and walk out of here a different person. So we commit the word of the Lord to you tonight, Brother Tim, Lord, take him. Use the vessel. May he be completely, Lord, at your service, emptied out, that you may pour in and through him the words of eternal life for us, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. seats tonight. God bless you each and every one. I'm so glad he found me. In love he bound me. Amen. Are you glad he found you? What a hiding place. That rock Christ Jesus. You know the Bible talks about in the end time there's going to be Caesar roaring. And if we haven't seen that lately on the coasts, on the east coast, seas are roaring. And it's not going to get any better. Amen. But one thing, we have an assurance that we are going up. Amen. This is a little bit like heaven tonight. We're assembled together with saints of like precious faith, one heart, one mind, one accord, ready to hear the word. Amen. We got a love for God like no other. Amen. Praise God. We're glad he found us. We can serve him. We can bless Him. We can praise Him. Amen? All right, let's sing it. Well, I was on a mountain. I was wandering from the mountain. When I heard my day. 
victory in the, in the camp tonight. Amen. Praise God. We're putting the devil on the run. We're putting him on notice. Amen. We have the victory that's been wrought in Jesus Christ. It is our inheritance, and we're not going to take anything less. Amen. Well, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Oh, victory today. It is mine. Amen. I knew that the Lord would bring me out, so I got down on my knees, I cried, help me please, 
I got a thing and ain't got the victory. minister the word of God we'll sing this little last little verse happiness is mine you know the prophet of God said that told us that praise is a sacrifice and you know very often it is a real sacrifice because we're human we've got emotions we've got feelings we've got bad days and good days and in between days and very often we're not feeling all that happy but doesn't matter how we feel happiness is ours anyway amen and the more we sing about it the more we speak about it the more we talk about it the more real it becomes hallelujah amen happiness is mine happiness is mine oh happiness today it is mine Is that the shout of the king in the camp? Amen. Amen. There's a shout amongst us. Aren't you glad that God has opened your eyes to this message? Where would we be in this dark day without the light of God's word lighting our pathway and showing us his grace and his love and his blessings? Wonderful to be a Christian. 
It's just good to be in the house of the Lord. Are you happy? Amen. Amen. Joyful? In victory? Have you told the devil to, as they say, get lost? (laughs) He's already lost. He just doesn't realize it. (laughs) He has lost. And we are the victors by grace and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want to bring you greetings from the brothers that we met with in Tennessee. Many, uh, all of the ministers and many of the brethren extended their greetings to the church here, especially Brother Biscoe, Brother Tom, the ministers here. Uh, they just wanted to send their greetings back. We had a wonderful time at what is called men's meetings. And uh, we just uh, speak to men as we would speak to men. We don't pull no punches and we just uh, lay it in there and trust that God give us a, a blessing. And it was a phenomenal weekend. We have seven meetings in two days. And so, uh, but that's because, no offense, but there's no women, there's no children. And uh, it's just men that tough it through. And uh, we just enjoy it. So God bless you. Appreciate you each and everyone. It's good to be home. And uh, there's much happening on the missions field. We don't have time to share everything. Many more, uh, hundreds more baptisms in Uganda. Outreach going on in Ethiopia. Uh, New languages being added to the message of more translators, more uh, people coming on stream. The message is getting out. God is sending his word after his elect. And I, I told one of the brothers in Tennessee, I says, with all that's happening in, in, happening in Uganda, I'm just glad I can be a part of it. Aren't you glad you can be a part of it? We're not in Uganda, but we're part of it. By the Lord allowing us to support it and to encourage it and all of these different works going on around the world. So we thank God for what he's doing. Let's just bow our heads together in a word of prayer as we approach the word this evening. If you have a need, why don't you hold that before the Lord, whether you're here, whether you're watching on the internet, wherever it might be. The Lord is very present, a very present help in a time of trouble. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before your your greatness, your majesty this evening, we know, Lord, that we serve a mighty God who has given us great and precious promises, which by those promises, Lord, we can be partakers of your divine nature. We can be partakers of the many blessings that you have paid for. They're already paid for. As we sing the song, victory is ours. The victory has already been won at Calvary. And Lord, if there be a need here tonight, may you, the word, the discerner, the one that is aware of every little need, of every small request, of every one of our lives that knows the secrets of our heart. Lord, as we pull the sword from the sheath tonight, Lord, may you once again drive the enemy from the lives of the people. Lord, he comes against us sometimes with mighty blows, but greater are you that's in us than he that is in the world. We thank you, Lord, that... The victory is assured, and we come unto you this evening as we turn back the pages of your word. Set these scriptures aflame within our hearts once again, and Lord, quicken us afresh 
in your presence. We pray as we give this service to you. Bring our minds together in one mind and one accord that you might move freely in our midst, Lord. We ask it for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you to the musicians and the song leader and each one of you for helping to create an atmosphere that the Word might come in power and demonstration. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to speak of just a simple subject tonight. And uh, I want to speak about the sweetness of Calvary. That'll be my title. And Ephesians 5 and verse 1 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. In 1957, Brother Branham makes these comments. He says, Everything on earth, the beauty, the sweetness, the beauty of the earth, is nothing else in the world but an answer to a far better than that that waits us when we leave this world. So the best that we have here, he says, the sweetness, the the, uh, uh, the beauty of this world, he says, is only a reflection of what awaits us on the other side. Amen. It's going to be far better than that, he says. He says, for everything in earth is just a pattern of that which is in heaven. Everything that's good, everything that's righteous, everything that's beautiful, trees, birds, everything is just a pattern of what's in heaven. And he says, our own life is just a pattern. It's just a shadow and not the real thing. It's the negative side. Are you with me tonight? Do you realize that your life is just the negative side? And we're living out this negative reflection of the positive. But the positive is drawing near. And that realm, that dimension is more real than this dimension. Certainly then this cosmos or world order, this will all pass away. And, and, and we see even around the world now, as it were, the bullets are being put in the gun. You know, the, the, the hands are on the triggers. Events are unfolding that to bring about the end time events, which can happen in just a moment, can happen in just an hour. There's so many things that can be suddenly fulfilled, but that's not our expectation. Our expectation is to be caught out of here. Our expectation is for a body change. Our expectation is for something greater. That even reflects itself when we're sick. Our expectation is not more sickness. Our expectation is healing. When we're in need, our expectation is not need, but our expectation is provision. Amen. When we struggle for life here, our expectation is not a struggle. Our expectation is a place where there is no more struggle. There is no more sorrow. There is no more sickness. There is no more pain. There is no more death. And there'll be no more tears 
in that realm. And so we, we have a great expectation because the Word of God has quickened us and brought us into the presence of God. It's wonderful to be in relationship with God. I don't care who you are tonight as a believer. You might consider yourself the weakest believer. You're in a relationship, a relationship with Almighty God. And he's dealing with you personally. And he's allowing certain things to come into your life. And he's directing you. It's, it's not your attitude towards me. It's not your attitude towards this church of Cloverdale Bible Way. It's not your attitude towards what we call the message of the hour. That's not the attitude that God's looking at. He's looking at our attitude towards him. In our relationship to him. Everything else is a sideline in and Brother Branham says our own life is just a pattern. It's just a shadow and not the real thing. It's the negative side. It takes death to develop the picture. To put us back in the theophany we come from. Now we realize that for the end time believers there's one thing besides death that will develop the picture and that's the rapture. The fulfillment of the final stage of the rapture or the catching away. Then in the resurrection, he says, we come in his likeness, a resurrected body. What a beautiful, not only beautiful, but it is the real solemn truth of God's eternal word that will be like him. Amen. Amen. Before we talk about sweetness, I have to talk about bitterness. I've been meditating on the subject of bitterness since I preached on it a couple, or touched on it in a service a couple of months ago. And, uh, and then recently, a couple of weeks ago, the Lord opened it up further to me, and I mentioned it last time I ministered about Hebrews 3, and we'll turn to Hebrews 3 in a little bit. But this life is negative. In this life, we have bitterness. All right. Now there's, there's bitter circumstances that confront us. And I was thinking on a situation that Brother Branham early in his ministry found himself. He was at having some meetings. And when it came to the Sunday service, the regular cafe that he was frequenting for breakfast wasn't open because it was a, uh, I think they were Mennonites or something like that. And and uh, they closed on Sunday. So on Sunday morning, he went to another cafe that was open. And in there, he found some circumstances that were very discouraging. And I began to think about the different circumstances that he described. And just allow me to just start with this this evening. As he goes into the cafe and sees some drunk people, some people that are already drunk. This is breakfast Brother Branham's talking about. So we have to realize that probably the cafe had been open all night and the people hadn't gone home yet. But they're there in this, whatever it is, a, some kind of a, a diner or something and people are drinking and people are drunk and, and, uh, and so they're they're in there in their different states. Well, the first thing he notices in there, he says, there's a policeman standing there playing a slot machine about his age, about Brother Branham's age, which at that time would be in his 40s. And he says, with his arm around a young girl. 
And this is what he describes. I hope this, this is okay this evening. Are you with me? All right. He says, I heard a slot machine and looked over there, and there was a policeman standing there with his arm around a woman up around her here, her waistline, playing a slot machine. Now, you know that gambling in slot machines is illegal in Ohio, you Buckeye people here, and you know that's illegal. And here was the law playing a slot machine, a man of my age, probably married, bunch of children, maybe a grandfather, a policeman, road patrol, playing a slot machine. When that man became a policeman, he probably didn't intend to be corrupt. But things happened. If he was indeed a husband, which Brother Branham implies that he was, and he certainly had insights into people's lives, I'm sure he didn't marry his wife to be disloyal to her. I'm sure that he didn't have children to abandon them in his actions or grandchildren. Here was a man that was at a certain stage in life, and I'll call it a bitter stage of life. Not a very, a very pleasing, not maybe what his goals were in life, not achieving the, what he had maybe thought he might achieve with his life or with his career, and he finds himself in a very seedy place, not being loyal to his marriage vows. Then Brother Branham just says, he says, I looked back across the restaurant and some boys sitting back there drunk and a young lady not acting morally at all. And there was some young people in it, and Brother Branham refers to it in one place and he says, he says, I hope that my daughters don't come to that. He says, here is a girl and a young girl and a young boy and, and, and we can say, you know, and I want to get us beyond the legalistic look at this picture. But I want to look at them the way God's looking at them. And somewhere they turned wrong in life. Whether they were raised wrong, whether they got in amongst the wrong crowd, whether the girl was just looking for attention, whether she was desiring some kind of affection, and now they find themselves in a state of drunkenness, not behaving themselves very well. It's a very, very sad existence. Not the great ambition of a young person as a young man would want to marry and have a family or a young woman would want to be married and be loved by a loyal husband. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And, and live the right kind of a life and, and have the right kind of a family. And then in another booth, he sees this older woman. And this woman had had many turns in life. Maybe she was like that young woman there, or but it, it actually wasn't that way. She, when she started out in life, when she was once young, and she was once maybe we'd say pretty like the other girls, she she had a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts that she wanted to fulfill in her life. But yet, in the midst of all that, she finds herself in a situation now: a broken marriage, sitting at a table with two men that are drunk in themselves, and and she herself is not dressed very well. Let me just describe it to you the way that Brother Branham said it. He says, there sat an elderly woman, somewhat around 58, 60 years old. So that'd be around my age. Old as my mother, he says, sitting there, skin all wrinkled up, little bitty clothes on. Oh, it was terrible. Her toenails painted purple, her lips painted purple. The horriblest sight you ever seen, her hair cut real short, 
fringed up like that, and she was drinking. And there sat two men with her, sitting there horribly looking drunk, one of them laying across the plate of the table. She wasn't much different than the woman at the well, I suppose. Found herself in a position in life she would have rather not be in. But life had taken bad turns for her. Are we realizing this tonight? We're thankful for what we have. We're thankful for God's blessings upon our life. For somebody to go down that road, it's a very, very bitter road. Brother Branham wanted God just to wipe the whole thing off. He says, how can you stand it? And, and, and the Lord just took him aside. And you know the story. The Lord showed him a vision of how that uh, Jesus uh, being crucified created a bumper of blood between the world and God. And every time he, Brother Branham saw himself, he said, sinning, making mistakes, and he, he would do something wrong. And when he did, it would strike the forehead of Jesus. And the, the crown of thorns would make his forehead bleed. And, and, and he would reach, uh, he, he would just cry out. He would say, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And Brother Branham is seeing that and seeing how his own actions would uh, uh, cause the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was our sins, after all, that put Jesus on the cross. There's not one of us that was born sinless. We we're all born in sin, but he died for us. He gave his life for us that we might have redemption from this evil world. But as he saw his sins buffeting the Lord Jesus Christ, and he, he was so sorrowful, and, and, and he found his, the, the page written of his life, and, and I'm just paraphrasing, but it but he just cried out, Lord, forgive me for those things. And the Lord dipped, touched his side with his hand and wrote across his page of life, pardoned. And he became so emotional. He says, oh God, I thank you that you've pardoned me. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace. And then the Lord spoke back to him, but you wanted to condemn them. But you wanted to condemn them. He says, and I've forgiven you. And Brother Brown says it changed his attitude towards the scene that he was seeing. Can you say amen to that? Amen. You know, Jesus died for drunkards. Jesus died for drug addicts. Jesus died for immoral men and women. Jesus died for sinners. Jesus died for people that are trapped in the bitterness of life. I don't want to just preach on bitterness tonight, but I got to start there. And Brother Branham went to the woman, introduced himself, and he told her about the vision. He says, he says I told her just exactly the vision I'd had. I said, the blood of Jesus, sister, still atones for you. As long as you're mortal like this, you still have a chance to be saved. But I said, when you go beyond the blood, you're already judged. I said, won't you? And he breaks off. He says, she told me her story. It was enough to grind the heart of a stone man. How that she once raised in a Christian home, an old-fashioned Methodist parent who went to church and did what was right. She married a husband. He started drinking. She had daughters. 
They were even members of the church themselves and how she took the road that was wrong. She said, I've sinned away my day of grace. But you see, there was something still laying there for her. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. And all she had to do was accept it. All she had to do was receive. And Brother Brown says, look, do you still have respect for the Lord Jesus? She said, I do, sir. I said, then he hasn't left you. No, he's still got mercy for you. Said, you think he'll receive me like this? I said, yes, ma'am. And I took her by the hand, knelt down there, that place. And brother, we broke that place up into a prayer meeting when we led her to the Lord Jesus. One place he says, even the policeman took his hat off and knelt down on one knee. And, and, and so there was something that changed the whole atmosphere. Something that changed, I'll say, the bitterness that was in all of these lives. There was something about it when Jesus came in that those bitter lives were not a dead end. Hallelujah. A bitterness, a, a, a situation that strikes somebody is not a dead end. As long as we're still alive, the blood of Jesus Christ still atones for sinners. Amen. 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 The bumper of blood was there to turn the bitterness into a sweet savor to God. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Are you still with me? I know it's Wednesday night and not always a good idea on Wednesday night to start off slow. Some people might drift a little bit. But we want to start off serious. This gospel is serious. It's not bubble dancing. We're We're not just here to put in time. We're here to be what God wants us to be, whatever that might be. I hope you can say amen to that. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit saith, today if you will hear his voice, and this is that's a very important statement because it says today, if you will hear his voice. In other words, if you will hear his voice of today, not his voice of yesterday. Not look for the voice of tomorrow, but if you will hear his voice today. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. This is what I mentioned last time I spoke. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me. There's the same word in a different form. Proved provocation, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. So God is speaking here about, as the Scripture describes, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and going through the wilderness to the promised land. And he said the problem was that they did not know God's ways. 
Joshua and Caleb knew God's ways. And what did they know about God? They, know, they, they, they knew that regardless of what it looked like, if God be for us, who can be against us? Didn't matter how big the giants were. Didn't matter how big the walls were. Didn't matter how, how much the enemy had in their army. Didn't matter if they had to cross a river Jordan that was flooding. It didn't matter what anything looked like. If God be for us, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. But let's go back a little bit further than that and realize that God was for you before you were born. You were in his thoughts before the foundation of the world. And God knew you would come into this world. And God knew that you would be, you would be proved or you would be tempted rather. And in that temptation, the devil would come to you and try and get you to believe, to disbelieve God. And in that disbelieving of God, which is what Israel did in the wilderness, that in itself is the provocation. And if I can just take a moment to explain something here, because this is what I never saw before until a few weeks ago, was that this word provocation actually means bitterness or to make bitter. And so Israel, by their unbelief, though God was showing himself to them, he was trying to display in reality, I have sent you my word. I have sent you my prophet. I have sent you my vindicated message. I have come down amongst you. I have shown you by signs and wonders that I am with you. And if I'm with you, it doesn't matter who is against you. But their provocation was, oh, I got this problem. We've come into this problem or we've come into that problem. Now where's God? Now what, what is he going to do? Now why have you brought us out into the wilderness to die? And they begin to provoke God. Or if we take the word literally, they begin to make a bitterness towards God. Or they actually begin to make God bitter. You see, God didn't want to taste bitterness. He wanted to taste a sweet savor. See, that's why when, in the book of Numbers, when he says, when you offer these sacrifices, I think it's Numbers chapter 15. He says, when you offer this sacrifice, it's for a sweet savor. When you offer this sacrifice, it's for a sweet savor. When the strangers that are in your midst offer, it's for a sweet savor. You know, every sacrifice, everything that you're doing here in worship to me is to produce a sweet savor. And that is what is well-pleasing in the sight of God. You know, we find out that the Bible talked about, uh, well, I'll just say it here as this is, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, you know, Jesus is that sweet savor in the presence of God. There's nothing that, that we can do of our own selves but one thing to produce a sweet savor in the presence of God, and that is to believe on the work of Calvary and all that it means for you. All right, let me just stop here for a minute. The devil will strike you with sickness. Anybody ever been sick before? We've all been sick before. Great or small, we've been sick. Some have more physical struggles. Others might have mental struggles. But all have struggles. And so when the devil strikes us with those things, and God allows the devil to strike us with those things, it's not those things that trouble God. 
God's looking for our attitude. And when you look to Calvary and say, by his stripes I was healed, that's a sweet savor in the presence of God. That's the things with which he is well pleased. When we, when we don't feel like much of a Christian, when we feel our own humanity and our own weaknesses, but we confess and we say, Lord, I'm not looking to myself, I'm looking to Calvary, then that's a sweet savor to God. Lord, I don't feel, I feel like I'm the weakest Christian or or in our case, we might say, I'm the weakest preacher or, or whatever it might be. I don't have much to offer. But Lord, I know you through Calvary have given me access to all things. And I lift that before you this evening saying, Lord, Calvary's sufficient for me. That's a sweet savor to God. That's why I think even Spurgeon, when he had a couple of women come before him after the service and they were moved by the ministry of the word and the one said, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And he says, do you accept what Jesus did for you at Calvary as sufficient for all of your sins? And she says, I do. And he says, well, that's very good. You're very close to the kingdom of God. And he said to the other one, he says, and do you accept what Jesus has done for you at Calvary? She says, I don't know if I can. She says, will you pray for me? He said, no, I won't. He says, if you can't accept what Jesus has done for you, my prayers are not going to do anything for you. You've got to accept what he did for you. It's what Jesus did for you. It's the sacrifice of Calvary. It's the propitiation, the all-sufficient price. It's the work of redemption. There is no other sacrifice. But there is but one sacrifice for all sin that cleanses us and redeems us. And we lay hold on that sacrifice alone. Whether we're born again or whether we're not born again, we have one sacrifice to present before God. If you're not saved tonight, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, there's one place for you to run to, and that's to run to Calvary. I can't give you the Holy Ghost. These brothers can't give you the Holy Ghost. It doesn't do us any good to pray for you if you're not believing what Jesus did for you at Calvary. But if you're believing what he did for you at Calvary, then somebody can pray for you. And Brother Adam said in one place, he says, and you need to pray. And you need to press in. You need to stay before God until you know that you got the Holy Ghost. Oh, how will I know, Brother Tim? Your life will change. What you once were, you won't be that way no more. Oh, Brother Tim, will all my troubles be gone? That's not what I said. Your nature will be changed. The things that you once loved. I know when I came, uh, when, when the word came by my way and quickened in my heart, the things that I once loved, I no longer loved. Did the devil try and tempt me with them? Sure. But it became a hatred in my life. The rock and roll music that I once loved, I loved it no more. The lusting that had a hold of my life left me. All of those things, they went by the wayside because God had come in and changed my nature. 
Calvary became a reality to me. Calvary is not a story. Calvary is a reality. Calvary is the power of God that was loosed into the church for the day of Pentecost to take men up into a realm, seat them in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and make them overcomers in seven church ages. That he might give them the promise to the overcomer through those seven ages. That's Calvary. Calvary was to make them realize, make us realize that God always loved us. Make us realize that God chose us before we were born. So you grew up not knowing God chose you before you were born. Like Spurgeon said, I know he chose me before I was born because he wouldn't choose me after I was born. Maybe you're better than Spurgeon. And you think, well, God chose me because I'm such a nice person. Sorry. Hope that doesn't disappoint you. But none of you were chosen because you're nice people. All of you were chosen because you were in the thoughts of God before the foundation of the world. Praise be to God. So we can rejoice then. It doesn't matter how rotten we are. He chose us. doesn't matter how insufficient we are. God chose us. doesn't matter how many mistakes we've made. Oh, that, I knew that would get quieter. Because you know what? We wallow in our mistakes, don't we? Woe is me because I've made so many mistakes. Just like the woman at the diner. I've sinned away my day of grace. But we, as believers, we don't go that far. We, we go less than that. We say, well, I've made so many mistakes, I can't live victoriously. Nonsense. I just want to say that's a lie of the devil. It has nothing to do with how many mistakes you'll make. As Brother Branham said, he knows you're just a man or a woman, and you'll make mistakes as long as you're in your mortal body. Because he never took away the desire of the flesh. He changed your nature so that your nature can rule over the flesh. Blessed are those, there's no condemnation to them who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Amen. And so we realize that God does something in us and we cannot, you cannot, and I want to just anchor this home today, you cannot sit here and say, well, my works that I've done or haven't done are stopping me. Nothing is stopping you. His grace is sufficient for you. All you have to do is believe him. Brother Brown talked about this uh, provocation in the Hebrews chapter 3 message. And he says, but now we who are to move into a dispensation and don't harden your heart, don't you act like they did in the days of provocation when they provoked God? Uh, now let's make this very very distinct tonight. The church has moved from partial reality to the fullness of the reality of God. This message did not just come to prove God is real. God has been real through seven church ages. But this message of the last days has come to loose the seals 
and reveal the mysteries that were hidden through seven church ages because in those mysteries laid rapturing faith. And the thunders, which are the mysteries, which were contained in the seals, represent the title deed that was in the hands of him that was on the throne and was put now into the hands of the church. The church has moved from the the title deed being in heaven to the title deed being in our hands. The church has moved, we could say it in many ways, from being called church to being called bride. The church has changed her potentials from not knowing who they are to knowing exactly who they are. It's been revealed in this hour. Now, as Brother Branham is saying, we're called to move into a dispensation. Brother, uh, you could call it an administration, a change of administration from son of God to son of man. And now all of these terms that we understand, I don't want to get just dealing with message terminology, but I want to say to you tonight, these things are real. What the church once had, we have more. What was once available to Luther and Wesley and Pentecost, go all the way back even till Paul said, we looked through a glass darkly as I talked about last time I spoke, but now we've moved into the perfect realization of the word. As Brother Branham says, the perfect vindication of the word with the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. We're here. Okay, so keep that in mind as I read this. He says, we are to move into a dispensation. And don't harden your heart. See, Paul is speaking to believers. Now, Brother Branham is bringing it to this day. Don't harden your heart. Don't act like they did in the days of provocation where they provoked God. How did they do it? Not by living immorally. Let me grind this down to you. You say, Brother Branham, I go to church. That's all right. I never lied in my life. That's fine. I never stole. I never done this, that, or the other. That's very fine. That's all good. But that still isn't sin. The sin is when God shows himself and you disbelieve it. You won't listen to it. Today, if you will hear his voice. I say, Lord, help me. What was the provocation? They wouldn't listen to the voice of God. The voice of God was telling them, you are more than able to possess this land. The voice was telling them, now is the day of the promise of Abraham fulfilled. I told you I'd bring you out with a mighty hand, and this is my mighty hand. And you are going to possess the land. And I have given it to you. And you are more than able to do it. And they said, but we're not able. But the giants are too big. Or the cities are too strong. Or the armies are too big. Or the obstacles are too great. Or we, we, we don't really have, let, let's go back to Egypt. All of these things. I'll tell you what, the Bible says that provoked God. God sent his voice to them. And they, they, they couldn't accept it. I'll tell you what. If you do anything in this hour, reject your own doubts and accept the voice of God. 
and say, Lord, I thank you for this vindicated message. I thank you for this light you have sent in this hour, and let me walk in it. And when God shines that light on a specific area of your life, and, and it begins to deal with you in a specific way. And believe me, I prayed that way before the service. And even from this morning, I was praying this way. Lord, I don't I hardly know how to explain this, but you can take this and shine this into specific lives in specific ways and say, I'm speaking to you. And I want you to just let go of this area of your life and believe me. Don't let the devil deceive you that you got to hold on to that or that you got to hold on to this. Let it go. You, I've already given you the victory. Let it go. I've already won over the enemy. Just let it go. And I better let that go and move on. So the scripture says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sweet sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That's our savor, Christ, the sweet-smelling sacrifice. It moves God. How come I can't get away from it? God's dealing with somebody. I just want to say this tonight. Don't or let me put it in different words. Why would we make God bitter? There's no profit in that. I want to offer unto him a sweet sacrifice. You know, even when you look at the veils of the tabernacle, as they spoke on badger skins, and you see there was a an outer veil of a badger skin. Then there was a, under the covering of the badger skin, there was ram skin dyed red. And under that, there was goat's hair. And under that, there was linen. Now, the linen didn't need to give its life. It was a plant. It's from flax. The goat's hair was just the hair of the goat. Didn't require the sacrifice of the goat. It was just goat's hair. But the ram skin and the badger skins represent lives. The ramskin dyed red represented the life of Christ and his redemptive work. He was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And the badger skins represent your life. And so as he gave his life, I give my life for him. For this gospel, as he has redeemed me and purchased my life with the purchase of Calvary. And I don't give it for my salvation, but because I am saved, I give it to the Lord. Lord, I want to live this life as a covering of your word. I want your word to live within me and express itself through me. This outside badger skin might never be perfect. It might have flaws. It might have scars. It might have different things that, that represent the battles that I've been through. It might, in, in some ways, we have different personalities and things that have been molded by the battles that we have been in, and that's all fine. But that's not the perfection. The perfection is the work that God has done on the inside. And the perfection is living itself out from the inside. That's why when Moses came down from the mountain and his face shone, Brother Branham says in the unveiling of God, it wasn't Moses' experience with God that caused the face to shine. It was God putting his word in Moses. 
that caused his face to shine. So it was the word on the inside that was reflecting itself out through Moses' skin. Until as Moses began to, to preach the word, as he began to give out the word, then the shining of his face began to diminish because the word that was in Moses got to the destination that it was supposed to get to. And the word in you has a purpose. And it's living itself out through you. And it's perfecting you from the inside out. Hallelujah. God looks at you through Calvary and sees nothing but perfect. He sees your heart which has been perfected by the new birth. And everything else is coming in line with the perfection that lays on the inside of the inside. Can you say amen to that? Now we realize that that, uh, Calvary created a bumper of blood against which our sins would strike and and stop from embittering God. But rather with the, the bitterness of our lives, Jesus crying out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, Israel, when they, when Jesus was crucified, without Calvary, They lost their inheritance. They spent 2,000 years saying, for saying his blood be upon us and our children. And for 2,000 years, they've been away from fellowship with God as God has gathered himself a Gentile bride. But only Calvary can restore them back to their position. It's not not because they're Jews they're going to be restored back, but Calvary will restore them back. When they recognize in the tribulation that Christ was their sacrifice, that he was their Messiah, then they will realize that they are the ones that caused the bitterness in the sight of God. And only by accepting Calvary can they turn that bitterness to sweetness and present a sweet-smelling savor in the presence of God. That's the same way in life, you know. There's many things that we need Jesus to say about us, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's how, that's how mistakes happen. That's why a believer that's born again, when he makes a mistake, the Holy Spirit is quick within him to say, you did wrong. What is that? That's the blood of Jesus saying, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. I got caught up. I, I, I let my flesh run away. I, 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 I made a mistake. I never should have done it. I'm sorry I did it. Forgive me. Put it under the blood. Amen. Amen. There's still a bumper between us and God. And as long as we're in these mortal bodies, we're going to need that bumper. But it's more than that. You know, there, there's bitterness in life that we need to put Calvary in. Now, now let me just say that when Israel... Went to, went to the waters of Merah. And they, they came to these bitter waters in Exodus chapter 15. And they couldn't drink. They came. Imagine now. I knew this was going to go long. They, they came to the waters and they, they, they were thirsty. And you know what it is to be thirsty. And you just want a cool drink of water. And there was this water there. And they just took of this water and go, oh, finally water. And they, and they put it in their mouth. 
and it was bitter. You see, their body was craving something, and it was water, but it was bitter water. And so when they put it in their mouth, they quickly spewed it out. See, that's like God in the Laodicean age. He says, I'd rather that you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That's not the taste I want. God's looking for sweet waters in this hour. We could say, according to what Brother Branham said, he's looking for a fresh drink of Pentecostal waters. That he's desiring who? Us to bring to him. He's desiring that there would be a people that would know their place and would bring to God fresh Pentecostal waters, a sweet sacrifice, a sweet savor that God could take a drink of our lives and and refresh himself in our lives. Amen. But there's, you know, there's things in life in general. And and when they came to the waters of Merah and they, as they came to these waters, then God, Moses was instructed by God, throw a tree, a certain tree into the water. And when Moses threw the tree in, then that turned the waters from bitter to sweet. And now these waters, the Bible doesn't just record them as pure water or clean water or something like that. It records them as sweet water. And so now Brother Brown says that, that that tree represented Calvary. And when you throw Calvary into a bitter experience, you can bring sweetness out of it. Hallelujah. And that applies to every area of our lives. I don't know how the world does it. The world is bitterness. Unbelief is bitterness. The fruits of unbelief, the works of the flesh is bitterness. The the actions of this world is bitterness. I described the cafe. That woman didn't want to be sitting there in old age being drunk and and unclean and all those things. That police officer didn't want to be corrupt. That that, those girls didn't want to be immoral. Those young men didn't want to have that kind of a life trying to find themselves the right kind of a girl. But yet in the midst of all of that, they find themselves entrapped, ensnared in bitterness. But along comes the prophet of God. Hallelujah, I've got a remedy for your bitterness. Hallelujah, I got something that'll change your bitterness into sweetness. Hallelujah, it doesn't matter what you've been through. That sweetness of Calvary went to the woman at the well and dealt with her that had had five husbands. And there she was standing there in the bitterness of it all. He says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink of water. And the waters that I give, you'll never thirst again. It'll be sweet waters every day of your life. And the woman received it and ran into the city and said, come see a man. Isn't this the very Messiah? I can imagine the woman that was caught in adultery. What a bitter experience. What have I done? What a mistake I've made. I've ruined my life. Now I'm caught I'm about to be stoned. But she came to the remedy. They wanted to accuse her. But Calvary turns bitterness to sweetness. Hallelujah. There was the sacrifice of Calvary. Not yet sacrificed. But he could still change her bitterness into sweetness. 
He could take the bitterness of the widow of Nain and turn it into the sweetness of a resurrection. What a life. Everywhere that Jesus went, he could turn bitterness to sweetness. The blind could have their eyes open. The lame could walk again. The impotent could receive strength and could, and could have victory over their lingering sicknesses. Doesn't matter what kind of malady you got, throw Calvary in there. Doesn't matter what kind of bitterness this world offers you, throw Calvary in there. Add Calvary to any bitterness and it'll destroy the bitterness. And all you'll be left with is sweetness. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible even specifically describes families in this way. In uh, Colossians 3, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Be not bitter against them. There's things that can happen in marriage that can create bitterness, disagreements, mistakes, things that when the young couple, when the couple was young and they give their vows at the altar, they never intended for those things to happen. It wasn't something that was on the slate, so to speak, but it happened. Now the Bible says, if it says to husbands, be not bitter against your wives, I'll say to wives also, be not bitter against your husbands. But how can I do that, Brother Tim? You've got to bring Calvary in there. And when you bring Calvary in there, when you bring the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you bring the love of God in there, when you bring the sacrifice that was made into the relationship, then it takes all of the bitterness out of the mistakes. Hallelujah. You may not never be for you not may not never be able to forget it. And this is something that people major on. Is you know, I'll never forget that. Brother Bram says I don't have to forget that because only God can forget things. So I'm not never gonna forget it. No, you might not never forget it, but when you put Calvary on it, it'll take the bitterness away. Can you say amen to that? You say, Well, Brother Tim, I still got bitterness. Then you haven't correctly applied Calvary. Apply Calvary. It works. Further, it goes in Ephesians 6 and says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, he's speaking to us fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. There's that word provoke. Or do not embitter your children to make them angry, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The same thing Paul records in Colossians. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Dads, we need Calvary. We need an application of Calvary to raise our children. Because we don't want them to be embittered in life. I'll tell you what, when I was meditating on this today, I was praying, oh God, forgive me every time I've made any one of my children bitter. 
Every time I've been too hard on my children, if I've been, not if I think I'm too hard, but Lord, if you think I'm too hard, forgive me. I think sometimes in the day we're living in, we have to be careful that we be hard enough. We're living in a very soft age, an undisciplined age, an age where they, they don't want to allow parents to correct their children. But only the rod will drive foolishness out of the heart of a child. And we realize that's the scripture. But the scripture says don't do it so they become bitter towards you or anyone else. Rather raise them in the nurture and the admonition of God. Brother Bram talks about ministers. Is this all right? Just a, I told you it was going to be simple tonight. In ministers, brothers, just close your ears for a moment. Do you know ministers can have bitter experiences? I'm going to say something, and forgive me if I'm out of place, okay? Just, just say, oh, Brother Tim, that's just Brother Tim. I know that this church went through a very deep valley in 2009. And a lot of things were said that created a lot of bitterness. I will tell you, as a minister, that I am sure, without asking Brother Tom or Brother Ed, that they endured a lot of bitterness. Maybe you don't realize that. I hope you do. But if any minister which goes through events in their lives, I'm not preaching to them now, I'm preaching to me, I'm preaching to every minister, because we all go through bitterness. And I'm always amazed when I see brothers that endure intense bitterness. I'm amazed at Brother Tom and the physical battles he goes through. I'm glad it's you and not me, okay? That's a big physical struggle. But you don't realize sometimes that God calls his men to overcome bitterness and they have to be the first one to apply Calvary you know it's struggles nah, I don't go into the details but there are struggles for ministers now let me read you what Brother Branham said he says I think a minister ought to come to the platform not loaded down with a lot of care but out of the freshness of the presence of the Lord. He says, get out early of a morning after all the demons have gone to bed and the night's rally is over and then it settles down and gets quiet and smell the aroma, the sweetness. He says, I believe if a minister would just stay before God until he came into the pulpit, he'd come as a sweet-smelling savor, anointed with the Holy Spirit, to bring the message of God to hungry-hearted people who are waiting. 
You say, why, why are you going down this road, Brother Tim? Because I want you to realize when we talk about bitterness, ministers are not immune. Do you pray for your ministers? Do you pray for your pastor? It must have been a great blow to Brother Biscoe back then when a lot of people walked away, people whom he labored with many years, people who he prayed with, people who he helped, people who he struggled with, people who he encouraged when they were discouraged. It must have been a great blow to Brother Biscoe. And I'm sorry to say it this way. Excuse me, Brother Biscoe, if you're listening. In some ways, I hope you're not. But I think that we had a great pastor that carried on and kept pressing forward and realizing, I don't, I don't want to, uh, well, I'm already speaking out of line. They can correct me afterwards. But, you know, I, I don't want to say too much other than to say, Sometimes it's just easy to give up. You know what? This is too bitter. This is too much. I, I done give everything that I have to give, and then this happens. But you know what? That's exactly the time where the most bitter times is the greatest time to put Calvary in that will bring forth the sweetest savor unto God. Those were the times when Job was in the depth of his trials and he said, you know what? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. He worshiped God anyway and, and he served God with all of his strength. Though he sat on the ash heap and that's really what it means. That's the sacrifice of our praise. When you're down physically and you're down mentally and you feel like life has given you nothing but bitterness and everything that you've struggled for has been taken away from you and in the depth of your sorrow you can go before God and say, God, I still believe you. Though 10,000 fall at my right hand and 1,000 at my left hand, I'll still serve you. If there's nobody left that believes the message, I'll still believe the message. If there's nobody in this world that hears the voice of God, I want you all to know I've heard the voice of God. And I'll still believe you. Because I'm interested in offering a sweet savor to God. And I am not interested in offering any kind of a sweet savor to the devil. I am not interested in the devil being pleased with my life. I don't care what he throws at me. And I'm glad there's men of God who are elders in this church. The pastor, Brother Tom. And I speak for the benefit of these young brothers. They will go through bitterness. They will go through struggles like we all go through struggles. But when you go through them, just remember, God has purposed the bitterness in your life to bring you to the waters of Marah that you can throw in Calvary. Hallelujah. And you can turn that bitterness into a sweet savor in the presence of God because Christ is our sweet savor. Oh, Lord, how can my life be pleasing unto you? Just believe him. No matter what you go through, believe him. 
He loves you. And how do we respond to his love? That we believe him in the midst of trials. We believe that it all has a purpose. We believe that God is directing our lives. He's touched us. He's led us safely. He's shown us miracles. He's shown us signs. He's shown us wonders. We've seen enough. We believe him regardless. Though he not show us another miracle, we ought to stand here and say, Lord, I believe you. Sometimes I wonder how God thinks when we're always crying out for miracles. I hope we're not like the children of Israel in the wilderness. That became bitterness in the sight of God. Oh, Lord, we got to see miracles. I'll tell you what, I've seen enough miracles. I've seen more than enough miracles. If I never see another miracle, I'll believe him to the end of my days. Though he slay me, yet I'll serve him. I'll even say what Brother Brown said, even if he casts me in hell, I'll still love him. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. That he might have a sweet savor. That he might be pleased. I gotta bring this to a close. Brother Ram said he was the rose of Sharon. He was offered unto God as the sweet smelling savor. He actually says sweet smelling savior. And then when we become unbearable to go before God. And so, excuse the expression, so stinky. Our sins and things are so bad and foul, then we come to Calvary. It says, the rose of Sharon is a beautiful flower. While it's living, it's beautiful. But to get odor out of it, to get a perfume, it has to be crushed. And they crush it and squeeze the perfume out of it. You see, Christ, when he was here on the earth, he was beautiful. He healed the sick, raised the dead. His life was never compared. He was beautiful, but to make you like he was. When God looked down, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Your, he said, your sacrifice has become extinct under my nose, but this is he in whom I'm well pleased. Now he was well pleased and to make us well pleased to God, he had to become crushed on Calvary. And the sin of the world had to be squeezed had to squeeze the life out of him, and he died bearing the sins of the world that we might be anointed with the rose of Sharon. Hallelujah. That God could come to us and smell the very scent of Calvary. He was the one, he said, in whom I am well pleased. There was another man that had a testimony, and that was Enoch, the one who took the rapture before the flood. And he said, and, and the Bible says he walked with God and was not. But Paul, when he picks up his testimony in Hebrews 11, he says, and he had this testimony that he pleased God. But Paul didn't stop there. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because you see, it's faith in the word that he sends you that is a sweet smell in his presence. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You believe that this morning? I beseech you, brethren, Paul says in Romans 12, by the mercies of God, I'm coming to a close. Maybe the, the musicians can come. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service.
And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A sweet savor to God. The sweetness of Calvary. That's all I have to offer Him. Is that I believe Him. No matter what happens in the trials and the bitterness of life, I still believe Him. And it takes all the bitterness out of my trial. It really does. When you're going through it, and you're battling it at the hardest... And the devil's trying to discourage you. Just lift your eyes to Calvary. Just let him know, Lord, I still believe you. I'll tell you what, it takes the victory away from the devil. It takes the bitterness out of the experience. And it allows us to understand it's all for a purpose. Brother Branham says, warriors today... Jesus wants a drink of good old Pentecostal fresh water. These denominational stagnated waters is sickening to him. Take the word of God and pull it. Cut through all these creeds and things till we can hit that place where there's a fresh drink for him. A real true worship a genuine heart where he can make his word live in this day. And then he says, he'll have it. Are you it? He'll have it. Let's stand together. All I want to see is Jesus. that your desire today that's all I want in my life is to see Jesus no matter what trial I go through no matter how bitter life gets just let me see Jesus just let Calvary come in plain view and let sweetness take over every situation see it's only by Calvary coming on display that you can go through things and not answer back It's only by keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ that you can battle the bitterest battle with the enemy and come out of it in the sweetness of the Rose of Sharon. Don't you want to be like that? I'm not here to scold you about not doing it. I'm asking you from your heart, do you want to be like him? All I want to see is Jesus. I want to see Jesus in my relationship with my family. I want to see Jesus in my relationship with my wife. I want to see Jesus in my fellowship with my brothers and my sisters. I want to see Jesus in every service. I want to see Jesus in every conversation. I want to see Jesus. Do I fall short? Oh, many times. Many times I feel like I fail him. But that doesn't change the desire. Still, all I want to see is Him every moment of every day. Let's start on the verse. Oh, I know the time is near. 
together do you really mean that tonight all I want to see is Jesus I don't want to make anybody bitter I just want to see Jesus Lord let Calvary be such an anointing on my life till it would take other people's bitterness away You are Calvary to this age. You are the sweetness of Calvary in a bitter world. The world's looking for Jesus. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Are you willing to be Jesus to a lost and a dying generation? God knows how to put us to the test. This song means a lot to me more than I could ever express because you see when I turned 50 the church I was pastoring had an event for me in that event they had a slideshow in that slideshow Sister Allison sang this song in three months she was gone Sometimes life gives you bitterness. But I can say today, all that bitterness is gone. Because of Calvary. And anyone that's gone through the depths of bitterness can say within themselves, if they're a Christian, like Jesus did when he cried out Father forgive them they don't know what they're doing you don't wish bitterness on another person but rather Lord let me be Jesus to them when I see someone else going through it let me say a word let me lend a hand let me encourage Lord because even though Israel was making God bitter through their unbelief. But yet God was reaching down to them, says, I'm going to send you a remedy to that bitterness. God himself made a remedy to his own bitterness in Calvary, that we could be a sweet savor in his presence. And God offers that same bitterness to, to us tonight. With our heads are bowed and our, our eyes are closed. there's someone here tonight that say Lord won't you pour Calvary into my bitterness tonight you know what I'm going through Lord 
You know my situation. Why don't you just raise your hand to him? Or maybe there's somebody that would say, Lord, I've been selfish. I've watched somebody go through bitterness and I haven't, done a, I haven't raised a finger to help them. Forgive me for that, Lord. Let me be Calvary to them. Let me help them in some way that will encourage them on life's rugged road. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I've been meditating, as you know, on this for weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, Lord. We're so thankful for Calvary. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you take the bitterness out of life. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you bring a reality, Lord, that is greater than anything this world can put on us. And Lord, I want to say with those hands that are raised, Lord, if there be any bitterness, may Calvary be poured in this morning. May Calvary be poured in today and just take the bitterness out of the experience. We got to go through these experiences, Lord, to the molding of our character. That you might perfect us, Lord, and make us fit to sit in the throne, which is our predestinated position, the overcomer of this age. But yet in the midst of that, Lord, let Calvary be poured in. Take the bitterness out of it and let let it be a sweet savor in your presence and let it be a sweet savor to us as well, oh God. And if there's somebody here that like me would say, Lord, forgive me if I've ever contributed to somebody's bitterness. Lord, if I said something in a sharp way, Lord, if I, I said the wrong words, forgive us, Lord. But make us more like you. Jesus, we want to be you, just reflected through our lives in this hour. So take this little service tonight, Father, and may you just use it for your glory. I pray that it helps somebody along the way and gives somebody a little encouragement that, Lord, you care about them and you have a remedy for what they're going through. Let the sick be healed, Lord. Let Calvary be poured in. By your stripes, we are healed. We believe you, Lord. Let them that are weak say that they are strong because they believe you, Lord. If there's any chains tonight that are trying to hold back a child of God, then, Lord, may your word go forth, the sword of the Spirit, and break every chain and loose them, Lord. And cause them to stand in the glorious image of Jesus Christ. We give this service to you, Father. Strengthen all our brothers and sisters that will be going to work in the morning. Or even tonight still, Lord. Lord, may you just give them strength as they've been in the house of God to worship you, Father. We love you. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus Christ's name. All I want to see is Jesus.
shake one another's hand as you go. The service is dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.